Hawaii Up for July 10, 2005. Aloha and Yakwe! This is Hawaii Up, show number 17. Yep, I know I'm putting this one up a little late this week. I blame my computer, you know, it took about three hours of editing with it when it went down last night, and I just basically went out for a late night drive around the neighborhood to keep from throwing it out the window. I know, I wouldn't have these problems if I had a Mac, and certainly if anyone out there has a uh, old G5 and a 30-inch cinema display lying around, I'd be happy to take it off your hands. But for now, it's going to have to be this old Dell, uh, the uh, free editing software, and uh, my battery-operated microphone. Also, I have to admit, I lost track of what day it was. Um, I'm pretty much not keeping up with what's going on around town. I'm in the middle of my mandatory two-week vacation, and so I'm just spending a lot of time chasing the kids around, annoying my wife, and uh, catching up on some web work, and of course sleeping whenever and wherever possible. But uh, I, I do think I've got some stuff worth sticking around for, you know. Um, as I mentioned last week on the music front, I've got a song from a contemporary island band that I know you'll just love. Of course, uh, my wife Jen will check in with her latest thoughts on pop culture. I've got a special interview with a guy who's on an incredible mission to make music in 50 states in just 50 days. He might be in your neighborhood right now. And uh, I'll close with a few podcasting notes, of course. But first, hey, it's time to check out the news. It's time for... Hawaii Up Headlines Around Hawaii and Around the House. Well, uh, it's uh, definitely been wet the last couple of days. We've had a bit of rain, and that's actually a good thing because the brush fire situation here on Oahu has just gotten out of control. You know, of course, we had Independence Day weekend. Everyone was playing with fireworks, so uh, we had 100 fires that day. The fire department was on, I don't know, DEFCON 3 or something. They had more than half of all of their firefighters out at the same time on a call. But uh, really, it's turning out that the major problem is stupid kids with too much time on their hands. You know, there were something like 500 brush fires this year compared to half that last year at this point. And, uh, you know, police and the fire department are pretty sure that most of these are intentionally set. In fact, uh, just today I was at the park with my kids out behind my daughter's elementary school here in Mililani, and there were sure signs of uh, pint-sized pyromaniacs, you know burn marks on the play equipment and there was a trash can that was just melted into a puddle so uh, and a couple of weeks ago there was a fire right out by the costco and ypo my mom got stuck in the traffic when they closed the freeway and you know i drive there through there twice a day and once you pass through there you smell like smoke for half the day um so anyway kitv said that we've had more fires in the first week of july now than we've had in all of july last year and the fire department is saying that the fires they're fighting are clearly arson because you know they're starting in the middle of nowhere there are no signs of uh campfires there are no electrical lines to short and i guess there's clear evidence of bored kids so well they caught a few just this week three kids were arrested for starting fires. They got a 15-year-old kid, a Waianae High School student, for starting a fire in Maili. And a couple of days before that, they got a 10- and a 11-year-old kid for starting a fire in Kapolei. And if you remember, they nabbed kids earlier for fires in Anakuli and Kalailoa. And 
You know, I think I mentioned uh, the last time brush fires came up that it seems like that being a pyromaniac is the next cool thing among these kids, you know, wannabe rebel punks out there. And, and, and it's just insane. I don't know where the parents are. And I'm thinking if this is what they think is fun, I'd rather they go back to just wearing baggy pants and backwards hats. You know, uh, didn't I say that the transit tax fight is the best show in town? Well, it looks like they're winding up for a big finale, folks. You know, for political wonks, I'm sure it's like waiting for the the season finale of Lost or something. I think last week I was talking about how Governor Lingle was threatening to veto the tax bill unless the legislature promised to fix the bill. Um, she thought that the city should create this whole new bureaucracy to collect the tax rather than the state doing it for them. And then there was that whole typo thing where people were saying since she made a mistake in her announcement, she can't veto the bill anyway. So Friday, I guess, and what seems to me more of an act of political desperation than genius, or maybe a Hail Mary pass or something, Lingle said that uh, she's going to veto the bill, full stop. You know, she's not waiting until Tuesday for her grand announcement. She's going to veto it. What's she doing? What's going on? You know, I actually have no idea. Uh, Mayor Mufi Hanneman said that he was willing to consider, you know, a county tax collection system, which is what Lingle asked for. And the legislature said that they're willing to look at the bill next time, uh, next session, which is what she asked for. But now she's saying, you know, which is different from what she was saying a week before, that these promises are, are worthless, which, of course, is true. And she wants the legislature to fix the bill right now you know like i don't know on monday call everyone together have a special session of the house and the senate rewrite the bill and pass it and reconcile it and send her a new version you know just just do it a day what it took him a whole year to do the first time around so what's going to happen you know just grab the popcorn and head down to the state capitol folks your guess is as good as mine because you know now lingle said that she's going to veto it she has to veto it as it stands uh, or else she's just going to look silly and I guess the legislature could try and rework the bill in one crazy meeting, but with uh, constituents hammering at them like never before, I doubt that that's going to go smoothly. The legislature could also just uh, swallow her veto and try to override it, which I guess is the current plan, but that's a higher hurdle to jump because, like I said, they're uh, feeling the heat. As exciting as Tuesday's climax will be, folks, uh, I imagine the real result is going to come later this summer, probably in the form of a lawsuit over her stupid typo. You know, I said she was brilliant last week, and I'm willing to accept that I just don't understand what's going on anymore. But, uh, you know, had she let herself get backed into a corner on Tuesday as she originally planned, I think that either decision she made, veto or no veto, it could have been easily defended. Now she's, I don't know, jumped the gun. You know, she's making even more demands after the mayor and the legislature gave her what she wanted last week. And, uh, you know, I don't know. She just seems desperate. What else? Uh, hey, you know, in a quiet decision, a judge this week threw out a lawsuit by the Sierra Club and a couple of other groups who are trying to stop the Hawaii Super Ferry by uh, making them conduct a big environmental impact study. Now, I think I said before that uh, there are more powers at play here besides environmentalists. A lot of business interests don't want the competition that the ferry is going to bring. But I also think that the Super Ferry folks should have expected this whole EIS thing because that's just the way business is done here but i'm uh, selfish and i i just really want to see this ferry for my own purposes so i'm glad that this hurdle was cleared i'm sure there are going to be more appeals and lawsuits but for the time being it looks like uh, the super ferry's back on track the justification by the way for throwing out this sierra club lawsuit was something like 
when a new shipping company starts using harbors, they don't have to do an EIS, so why should the super ferry? Except, of course, that uh, the ferry is moving stuff that's considerably different and less predictable than containers of junk. Anyway, if all goes well, the ferry will be running in two years, 2007. Although, from what I just read, it looks like the Big Island stop that's in uh, Kauai High, uh, which is kind of out of the way for most folks, but very convenient for us when we make our regular pilgrimage to Kapa'au, that stop, that harbor, won't be ready for another year after that. So, until then, in 2007, it'll just be Oahu, Maui, and uh, Kauai. Oh, well, you know, believe it or not, I've never been to Maui. This is a good chance to check it out. $60 per person and uh, just another $60 to bring your car with you. I'm there, folks. You know, forget paying 250 bucks for the hassle of air travel and then having to pay just as much to get a stinky rental car. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll, I'll take my own stinky car. Thank you very much. Finally, I feel like I should send a few kudos and warm thoughts out to Michelle Wee, you know, the 15-year-old... Punahou school sophomore who's just whipping the golfing world into a frenzy, or at least into as much of a frenzy as golf golfers ever get into. You know, I don't play golf, uh, which in my line of work is actually professional liability, and Jen hates golf with a passion, but you just gotta be proud of a local Chinese kid just blazing a trail into a sport, or at least a recreational activity if it's not a sport that's long considered a bastion of uh, old white guys. She's only 15, you know, she can't drive a car, but she can drive a golf ball like nobody's business. And she she does really well, you know, she would win tens of thousands of dollars in these big games, but, you know, she can't take it to stay an amateur, so that makes all of the rest of the golfers in these tournaments more rich, and I bet that makes them into fans of hers as well. You know, I was starting to actually follow her progress a few weeks ago when she was in the U.S. Women's Open. You know, she was in first place. Everyone was excited. All eyes were on her. But, you know, she's still a kid, and uh, while she can whack a ball's brains out, she really struggles when she gets close to the hole. And uh, she kind of gets psyched out, I think, with all the pressure. So that last day, she went from, like, first place to 20-something place in what was probably the worst day of golf for anyone ever. And uh, just yesterday, she was just two strokes away from qualifying for the PGA Tour, you know, the men's tour. She she came in under par, and I think she would have made the cut easily. But uh, again, when the pressure was on, you know, she kind of fumbled toward the end there. But folks, she's only 15. You know, she's got a long time to perfect her game. And uh, I might not ever understand golf, but I'm proud of her, and I wish her well. Michelle Wee, making Hawaii proud. Keep an eye on her. Um, as for what's going on here at home, well, I have to say that we had our share of drama on Thursday morning. We woke up to the, well, I'm sure as you all did, to the news of the terrible bombings in London. And while that on its own was certainly distressing, it turns out that my brother, my younger brother Todd, was in London. In fact, he was landing that same day. And, uh, you know, he was on this trip to London on a, on a total lark. He and his girlfriend and a friend, they were going to play Magic the Gathering, which is this uh, totally, you know, geeky role-playing card game. He won the local championship, and so he was going to play in an international tournament, I guess. And, uh, you know, it was incredible to us that he was going to London at all, let alone this week, seeing as how he's barely left Hawaii, you know, as an adult. 
Um, so uh, it was kind of frantic for a while there. My mom and I were just trying to figure out where he was, you know, when, when he landed relative to the bombings and uh, how we might get in touch with him. You know, I know nothing about London geography. I was going all over Google Maps. He was in a place called Kensington, which is in London, but turns out not too close to where the bombings happened. And, uh, well, fortunately, it turns out that uh, they got there after the bombings and that they were fine, and they were actually trying to reach us, but our phone numbers are uh, blocking international or unknown calls. So we, uh, my mom found out from the grandmother of his girlfriend that they were okay it was just tough trying to get around the city but uh you know i've heard from him by email today and it just seems that business is going on as usual you know they're they're really dead set on not letting the terrorists get them down it's all stiff upper lip and uh, the card tournament kicked off as scheduled you know the show must go on and my brother the geek you know he already advanced to the next stage so i'm sure he's doing well but, uh, you know, that was that was a little bit of excitement. My mom, in fact, was interviewed in the Honolulu Advertiser yesterday about trying to reach him. So that was her little bit of fame. So uh, I'm glad he's okay and that the folks of London are a proud and strong lot. I, I really do feel for those innocent lives that were lost. And I send my condolences to anyone affected by the tragedy. It was really um, awful to find out about the bombings and then see London on the front page of the morning paper full of all these smiling, cheering faces in London because only the day before they had found out that they'd be hosting the 2012 Olympics. They didn't have uh, much time to celebrate that at all. A bit closer to home, uh, you know how I mentioned last week that I was a bit under the weather? Well, I, I still am, and uh, you know, Jen basically got fed up of my late-night old man geezer coughing and wheezing episodes, and she literally made an appointment with a doctor when I went out on an errand, and she told me not to come home until I saw him. So, you know, I went in, and I got to breathe into some machines, and I got a chest x-ray, and uh, basically, I have pneumonia, you know. How very 19th century of me. And the weird thing is, Jen had pneumonia about a month ago, so I don't know, there's something weird going on. But basically, I'm on antibiotics, and uh, I have this cough syrup with codeine in it. And let me tell you, folks, that's a that's a lot of fun. It makes me very, very loopy. You think you're normal, but everything's kind of a haze. I was at Costco with Jen, and she said, you know, get this thing a couple of aisles down. And I actually asked her, what's an aisle? So, uh, you know, they say not to operate a uh, vehicle, and trust me, I didn't. And, uh, you know, it's just coincidence that I'm starting my vacation when I'm sick. I, I'm sure that's just my luck, but uh, hopefully I'll be able to, to beat this quicker. You know, I normally don't get sick that often, but when I do, it takes me forever to get over it, which is, I guess, how you get pneumonia. So I'm looking forward to getting to bed. You know, these podcasts keep me up way too late. Alright, so speaking of that, let's uh, get to some music, some melee, as promised last week. Uh, it's my honor and privilege to introduce Coconut Joe. They're a great local band uh, led by the super talented Bob Rogers of Kailua. They do music with a contemporary flair, you know, no Jawaiian reggae stuff, uh, but just a rather tasty blend of pop and rock and light jazz and blues. Jen actually fell in love with Coconut Joe the moment she heard the, the first couple of tracks off their first album, Two Waters, and she picked this song just for you. This is Coconut Joe with A Summer's Wave. It's a little over four minutes long, and we'll see you on the other side. Gently spray 
That was A Summer's Wave by Coconut Joe. It's off their first album, Two Waters. They also have a second album out, Middle of the Ocean. But more importantly, they're still making music. You know, they're still playing gigs all over town. In fact, you can catch Coconut Joe live next week. On Friday, July 15th, they'll be at the Honolulu Club Bar and Lounge. It's uh, kind of like a little jazz club on the 7th floor above TGIF across from the Blaisdell Center. So check them out. You can also learn more about Coconut Joe's music and albums and find out where their next show is going to be at CoconutJoe.com. And of course, I'll have that link for you in the show notes at HawaiiUp.com. But now let's chat with the person who picked that song. It's time for... The Pith of Pop, the podcast edition with my wife, Jan. Aloha, Jan. Aloha. Pehe oi. Mai ka'i no. Ah, mai ka'i, mai ka'i. So what's on your mind this week? I thought we'd do a top five list. All right, a top five countdown, Pith of Pop with Jen, and this week's topic is... Female singers. Okay, number five. Karen Carpenter. Oh, an oldie, but a goodie. Right. You know, I was hesitant to put her on the list because I thought anybody listening to this would immediately label me as a hopeless old fart. But I realized, you know, she can sing circles around pretty much anybody that's on the radio right now. Is there any um, albums by them that you liked in particular? Well, I recently discovered the album called A Song For You. It's got a lot of great songs on there. Songs that I haven't heard since I got... Um, a cassette when I was like six or seven and on that CD you get a song for you and another song called A Day Without You and those are some they're kind of like hidden treasures almost they're songs that you don't hear anymore by them you know you hear On Top of the World and Only Just Begun but you know that's an album worth checking out just because it's got a lot of great stuff that you don't hear anymore. What, What about her voice do you like so much? It's sad, and it's sweet, and it's hopeful, and you can hear, you know, in every song that they do, even in their happy songs, this this emotion, it's, it's just, it's beautiful to listen to, because you can just hear some kind of almost despair in her voice, but it's really lovely. All right, uh, number four. Joan Osborne. Oh, she did um, What If God Were One of Us. Yes, but forget that she put that song on her album. Just pretend like she didn't make it because (laughs) that album, Relish, is a great album. It's full of really great songs. You know, One of Us is not one of the better songs on the album. Instead, listen to St. Teresa or Right Hand Man or anything else, and I really got to pick the baby up. We have a minor baby glass door collision here. But, of course, when crawling, the top speed is not much of a problem. Um, that album came out the same year as Alanis Morissette. Yeah, it did. That's right. That's right. Um, but I, I love Joan Osborne. You know, she's she's got a great bluesy voice, and she just she can sing the heck out of anything. All right. So that was, uh, I think, number four. Number three, third favorite all-time female singer. Ann Wilson of Heart. Ah, Hart. I didn't know the the singer's name, but I remember Hart. Yeah, she's kind of like the female Robert Plant. You know, early Hart borrows quite heavily from Led Zeppelin, um, but she's technically even a better singer than Robert Plant. She can she can sing just about anything. They did, um, actually, she and her sister did an album of Christmas songs, 
and you know the, there's really hard Christmas songs to sing like Ave Maria she is so great on Ave Maria that's you know I, I really recommend the Christmas album um, they're still recording her and her sister there they record under the love mongers now I guess oh, they kind of okay. ditched heart number two Bonnie Raitt uh country western well she started off as kind of a country western singer you know some of her songs had a country flavor but as she developed as an artist she kind of discovered the blues and her her songs are more blues based but she ended up winning a bunch of grammys for the things that she did in the late 80s early 90s which is uh, you know pop but very very blues based um and she's supposed to have a new album coming out, I think, in September? Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. But for now, I, I think I like to listen to Nick of Time by her. That's the one that won the bunch of Grammys. And that one's just, it's got all her hits. But, you know, as far as hits go, they're, they're really, really great songs, you know. And she's just a great singer. She had a really powerful voice. She did. She, ha- she still does. All right, and Jennifer's number one all-time favorite female singer is Sade. Sade, that's also not quite as old as the Carpenters, but uh, an oldie. No, she came out with something a couple of years ago, "Lovers Rock," which is, oh. you know, that was it's a really good album. It's a little bit different from you know every album she does sounds a little bit different from the others. Um, you have "Diamond Life," which kind of almost sounds like a lounge singer torch song kind of album and lovers rock is very um soulful but i you know every album by hers is good and she's got class and it's elegant and it's beautiful but at the same time it's very soulful and sensual i i did have a shoddy album in my collection i remember being mocked for it in college mocked who mocked you I guess people with no taste. <laughs> well, anyway, I I love her. I think she's great, and I, you know, she is. It takes her a notoriously long amount of time to get albums together, but I'm hoping that she'll record and release one really soon because I can't wait to hear what she's got up her sleeve next. All right. So the top five female singers are number five is Karen Carpenter. Number four is Joan Osborne. Number three is Ann Wilson. Number two is Bonnie Raitt. And number one is Sade. All right. Well, thanks for sharing your list. And I think Alex is about to bust a valve of some kind. So until next week, thanks for joining us, Jen. My pleasure. Now, let me tell you about Webster McBride. Webster is a musician out of California. And I guess a little while ago he got a crazy idea. And his idea was to grab his guitar and grab a map and visit every single state in the Union. Specifically, he wanted to visit and perform at every single state capitol building. You know, 50 state capitals in 50 days. And as I speak, Webster is making his idea a reality. And on Wednesday, he landed right here in Honolulu. He had less than 24 hours in the Aloha State to do his thing and to get back on a plane to his next stop. I was actually one of less than a handful of people who turned out for his performance, but it really was great. It was certainly special. You know, no less a once-in-a-lifetime musical experience than some U2 concert. And, uh, you know, afterward, we had a long chat, some of which uh, you'll now hear. Now, I apologize in advance for all of the wind and road noise. It is very distracting. And uh, it did require a lot of editing, and I promise that I did a better job the first time I put this together. It was what I was doing when my computer crashed. But 
We had a good chat. He had a lot of uh, neat ideas. And, you know, the open-air Hawaii State Capitol, it's the furthest thing from a professional recording studio. But that's where Webster chose to tell his story, so uh, that's where we had our talk. So I am here with Webster McBride, who is the lead singer of a band called the Golden Birds out of San Francisco, but he's actually embarking on a much more ambitious project, and uh, fortunately Honolulu is one of the stops. So first of all, Webster, thanks for taking the time to chat with me. Sure, sure. I know part of this is to promote this upcoming second album of your group. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about your band and how you might try to describe the sound? The band is rock guitar, bass, uh, drums. It's been pretty somewhat aggressive, noisy rock in the past. Um, We have just recorded a second EP, which is much more stripped down, more folky, and that's basically what this trip that I'm on is. uh, It has a theme. Those are the songs that I, yeah, those are the songs that I'm playing on this trip. So it's very different from a Golden Birds show. Well, so, so even though so some of the reviews I'd read, like they said stuff like post-rock and angular rock right, and stuff, right. this is more acoustic sounding. More, more acoustic, ro- kind of down-to-earth, straightforward. Okay. So th- that's the conventional explanation for the tour, but you know, on your site there's a 1,300-word poetic manifesto about the, the, the broader ideas that you really want to evoke and address. Yeah, I mean, there's, like you said, there's a lot. <laughs> and every time I'm asked, I kind of, I don't know where to start, but um, there's something special and seemingly unique about state capitol building grounds that they are open to the public and they are really nice monumental kind of seem to try to capture regional identity and it seems like public space like that is shrinking particularly public space that is attractive and so that was one element Um, a second element was feeling like the country is fragmenting and being hold apart um, into ideologies and uh, tastes that don't have much contact with each other, certainly don't have much open dialogue or respectful dialogue with one another, um, but which kind of remain in their own camps. um, And I think this past presidential election, not so much the results, or I mean, putting the results aside, um, just the process of the campaigning and the aftermath, people's reactions to the election was really disturbing, and I think I've, I found that I wanted to do something symbolic just to kind of tie, in my mind at least, the country back together, and to kind of combat the uh, kind of media perception of red states versus blue states, wanted to experience all these states and all people firsthand and not just rely on third and fourth generation media impressions of people's um, so, and then I think that this the, the record that we're promoting right now, which is called Transamerica, the themes that it kind of focuses on are kind of the ease of movement and the, the options of movement. Basically, I, I, I imagine that this trip is going to feel disorienting because of so much movement and so little time in each place and never a chance to really set, set roots down or relax. And I guess that that is kind of mirroring the disorientation that the record is trying to deal with, which is on a much smaller scale, I guess, or much, uh, it's a, it's a compacted version of that disorientation of people moving, people scattering, and feeling connected to so many different places and never feeling like rooted in a single place. You, you mentioned media, no, definitely, you mentioned media, and, um, one of the things that really struck me in your, uh, 
in your essay about this uh, journey that you're taking was, you know, people segregating themselves, separating themselves, whether politically or just through the wonders of technology with TiVo and iPod, kind of ensconcing themselves in these bubbles of, of self-reflecting stuff but not interacting with other people. Right. What do you think is the future for, for media and independent artists and independent media people? I don't see any reason that the kind of niching will... I imagine that's the way things will continue to go. I mean, there's interesting things like the iPod, the, uh, the smaller one. The shuffle. The shuffle, right, where you don't have... Control. Control, yeah. And I think that that's, that's pretty interesting. I think a part, another element to this whole trip is performing in spaces where it's not really promoted or not in any clear way. And so there's kind of no idea what to expect at every, at every stop unlike a more traditional tour. And I think that that kind of element of surprise and element of not being in control, but just seeing what comes to you is something that's really a really nice thing that the current media structures... Um, don't support. Or don't really support, out. right. And um, so I wonder if, at some point, there will be a bit of a backlash. I doubt it will be, like, a return to... Um, I think it will be some way of randomizing within or between niched media outlets as opposed to a return to the media being what you all of it being kind of uniform mm-hmm. or, or uh, generic or something like that. But that could be, I don't, I don't know exactly what form that would take, but I think that would be really interesting to see. Now, I like what you said about, you know, not being, it not being a conventional tour and not knowing what to expect. Here you found a trash can to turn upside down and sit on and you performed for about four people, one of whom was about, I think, to 12 months old, 13 months old. <laughs> what other kinds of, I mean, this is only the third stop. Right. Just how varied have your experiences so far been and what, what really do you look forward to? The first stop in Carson City, I was traveling with two people. Um, we were the only people there. <laughs> first stop. And that was fine. We, we pulled up, though. As we pulled up in a parking lot across the street from the Capitol was this retired gentleman in his, I don't know, 70s perhaps, sitting with his dog in front of his car and playing saxophone and snare drum and singing along to a pre-recorded uh, jazz background track um, to nobody. And it was pretty phenomenal to, like, arrive at the first stop of a tour that's kind of about performing in a public space and see somebody doing it right across the street. Um, so, so that first night, I just played a song, you know, just to have, you know, to make it official or whatever. Of the map. Right. And then, we, uh, and then we went across the street and talked to this guy, listened to this guy. Um, so that was the first night. And then the second night was, would be the most... There was, was Sacramento. I'm from San Francisco, so... There were a number of folks who had made the drive. I had a couple friends in Sacramento um, who showed up. So that felt the most kind of normal. And then here you are. Here I am. Yeah, this was a really interesting space um, and a middle ground of you know, some people here, but not many. As far as the future goes, um, I imagine that many of these shows will be more like here than like Sacramento. There are a couple spots where I think um, there will be little groups of folks that we know, but for the most part I think it will be very sparse crowds. But that's okay. Um, I think that to a great extent the trip is is really is it more about like playing to the Capitol building itself than to a crowd hmm. in some way. Um, 
at least right now I think of that as being fine perhaps after 20 straight nights <laughs> nobody it won't be as well I think that uh, interest will snowball as you as you progress across yeah that would also be interesting to see if, if anything like that does happen and I think I'm from the east coast originally and I have a sense that when I get there that there may be there may be people at those shows I'm also particularly looking forward to um, Jefferson City Missouri because I know absolutely nothing about it so you're running across the country, you're experiencing places, but you're forcing yourself into this really tight window. You arrived here in Honolulu this afternoon, mm-hmm. 5 a.m. tomorrow you'll be at the airport to go to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. What about Hawaii do you think will stick with you for the rest of the trip? Two things. I think the biggest thing is that I got an email this morning from a total stranger saying, are you coming to Honolulu today? I'm free all day and I have a car. Would you, you know, Could you use some help or something like that? And I had no, I had no plan of how I was going to get from the airport to the city. I didn't know for sure who I was going to stay with, and so this was like a huge, huge windfall. And ended up spending the afternoon with a stranger, just getting to know them, and that was really fascinating. So, second thing would be, um, really like this building, <laughs> and the acoustics seemed really nice. But yeah, architecturally, I think it's really, really interesting. So I think I'll definitely remember that. Yeah, a lot of state capitals look like the U.S. capitol. Yeah, it's a dome, right? This is open air, and, and uh, for better or worse, you hear the buses and motorcycles going by. Right. <laughs> um, so those are the impressions that come to mind right now. But you'll co- be collecting a whole number of them yes. in the blur of jet lag. Well, no, you're you're driving in a 94 Dodge Caravan yeah. all the way across, and yeah. just hope your transmission holds. Yes. <laughs> Placed that a couple years ago, so hopefully it's, it's still good. Yeah, only flying to Hawaii and Alaska. I think it'll be interesting to see how your ideas about what you're doing really develop during your trip, and I definitely hope that as you progress across the country, more and more people turn out to see you, maybe more and more podcasters. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, you have, the night is still young. I hope there are more adventures for you here in Honolulu. Thank you. Webster McBride, thanks for taking the time to, to talk with us. Absolutely. Thank you. That was Webster McBride. Now, by now, of course, he's on his sixth or seventh stop. On Sunday, he'll be in Cheyenne, Wyoming. On Monday, he'll be in Salt Lake City, Utah. Boise, Idaho on Tuesday. Salem, Oregon on Wednesday. Olympia on Thursday. <laughs> you know, it'll be quite a trip. And if you live in a U.S. capital city, I'd recommend you meet up with him if you can. Now, you can find out more about his band, The Golden Birds, at goldenbirds.com. And you can find out about his cross-country road trip at goldenbirds.com slash 50, F-I-F-T-Y. Good luck, Webster. Now, before I go, I did want to share a couple of geekly tidbits. First of all, you know, I continue to be overwhelmed by what Apple's new iTunes podcasting features are doing for Hawaii Up. You know, by some ridiculous quirk, this show made it into the top 100 podcast list within uh, the iTunes podcast directory, as high as number 65 last week, which was uh, amazing. A lot of new listeners found me, and if you're one of them, certainly welcome, and uh, thanks for listening. I got some great email and comments on the site. Folks from all over the country, you know, from uh, Kailua to, to Belgium, uh, Dorothy, Ellen, Mark, Joy, uh, Tom, Scott, you know, uh, everyone else, thanks for listening. One familiar name I was surprised and and really happy to see was Paige, the page of the great MommyCast podcast. Now, MommyCast just recently got signed to Adam Curry's Pod Show Network, too, so, you know, congratulations, mommies. But, uh, yeah, Paige right now 
She lives in Northern Virginia with her husband and their five kids, but she dropped me a line, and it turns out that she's actually got family here in Hawaii, on the Windward side, actually, in Kailua and Kaneohe. So that was that was neat to learn. You know, it's always amazing to discover how small the world really is. And uh, as I told Paige, I was going to add her to the equation that proves that uh, our little island state out here is a real podcasting powerhouse. Speaking of podcasting powerhouses, though, this coming Tuesday will bring not one, but two cool podcasting events here in Honolulu that you should check out if you're here. On July 12th, uh, we start with a lunchtime presentation by the great, the geeky Todd Cochran of GeekNewsCentral.com. He'll be giving a comprehensive introduction to podcasting and what it takes to make a great podcast, working from his book, Podcasting, The Do-It-Yourself Guide. His event will be downtown at the University of Phoenix campus on Fort Street. So, uh, you know, just bring your bento, your Royal Kitchen Manapua and Lilikoi drink and soak up Todd's genius. I'm sure you'll also be able to pick up a copy of his book there and get it autographed. Then, not six hours later, over at the Marine Science Building on the UH Manoa campus, Peter Kay of Your Computer Minute and VoteHawaii.com will be giving his own grand view of the podcasting phenomenon. Peter's the featured monthly guest of Cyber Pizza, which is a uh, regular gathering of local geeks. His presentation is modestly titled, Podcasting, Catch the Next Big Wave of Opportunity. It'll be $6 for pizza and drinks, and if you RSVP early, they can set you up with free parking there at UH. So to go, call Courtney at 780-9000, and you can hear Peter's pitch. So that's Tuesday, July 12th, Todd and Peter, passionate about podcasting, both spreading the word here in Honolulu. Check them out, and I'll post some links for you at hawaiiup.com and also at hawaiipodcasting.com. And that just about does it for me. Now, like I said, I love hearing from you, what you like, what you don't like, what your connections to Hawaii are, what your story is. So, uh, you know, please do not hesitate. Don't be shy. Just drop me a line at comments at HawaiiUp.com or even better, leave a message on the Hawaii Up listener line at 808-356-0127. You know, I'd love to include other voices, other island stories as part of the show. I want to thank the great musical trio Akamai Brain Collective for providing the great theme music. And I want to thank you, Mahalo Anui Loa, for listening. Please take care, Mahalamapono, and until next time, Ahui Ho! Thank you.